Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. What a wonderful day of worship we've had so far. Didn't Brother Zach just do a, a wonderful job this morning? He did a wonderful job. In fact, he did so well, we could have just ended after the Lord's Supper this morning. You don't need to hear what I have to say. Zach just did just a remarkable job. There's only one bad thing he did. He thought too much like Sean Jeffries. <laughs> That's bad. He actually said some things that I want to say to you this morning, but that may be the providence of God. It's amazing how that works. God may be hopefully using Zach and I together this morning to say some things to you that we need to drive home and really need to have on the forefront of our minds as we try to serve him to the best of our ability and get ourselves from God's earth to God's heaven. So I'm very, very thankful for what Zach did this morning. I cherish, I cherish blank. I value blank. How would you, how would you finish that sentence? How would you complete that statement. If I were to ask you this morning to make just a quick list of some of the things that you truly cherish and value in your life, what would you include on that list? Which includes your, your family, which includes your spouse and your kids and your grandkids, which includes your home which include the place where you dwell and you spend time with your, with your family, which you include your good health, which you include the fact that maybe right now in your life you don't have any serious medical issues. Maybe right now in your life you have good and, and maybe even perfect health. What about this right here? What about your freedom? What about your liberty? What about the fact that right now you live in a country where you have the ability to get up each and every day and you can go outside and, and you can do whatever you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go. You can be whatever you want to be. You can pursue whatever kind of dreams you aspire to in your life. You know this word freedom that Brother Zach mentioned this morning and a word that many people are thinking about today, this is a very powerful word, isn't it? This is a very marvelous and wonderful word. In fact, I believe that this is one of the greatest words to hear proclaimed in the English language. It is actually a word that over the course of time, has become synonymous with America. You see, when people across the globe today hear the word freedom, America is usually the first thing that comes to mind. People across the globe know that here, if we don't have anything, as Americans, we have freedom. As Americans, we are a free people, and we need to understand that this freedom we possess 
It's not a gift that is given to us by men or by politicians. Instead, it is ultimately a gift that is given to us by God. It is ultimately a gift that has been given to us by our Heavenly Father. This is something that is actually announced in our nation's birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence, and is also announced to us in the Bible. It's also announced to us in a verse like James chapter 1 and verse 17, where James says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Please pay close attention to the words of the inspired writer here. Please notice with me this morning how, according to James, every good gift we have in our lives comes from God. He comes from our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father, not men, is the ultimate giver of our blessings. And that also means that our Heavenly Father, not men, is the ultimate giver of our freedom. He is also the ultimate giver of one of the greatest blessings we have in our lives, a blessing that hopefully, hopefully we're not taking for granted. A blessing that hopefully we're not failing to thank God for every single day. I mean, hopefully we all understand this morning that not everybody in the world right now is able to enjoy the blessing of freedom. Hopefully we understand that not everyone in the history of the world has been able to enjoy the great blessing of freedom. I'm reminded of people here in this country who in the 18th and 19th centuries were denied so many freedoms that we have today because of the color of their skin. They were in fact slaves, right? I'm reminded of the slaves that are in this country. And I'm also reminded of the empire that we've been studying together over the last few months, the, the Roman Empire. I'm reminded of how some scholars estimate that when the Roman Empire was at its peak, as many as one third of the people in that empire were slaves in some way, at least one third of the people. And then what about the most famous or maybe we should say infamous case of slavery that's found in the Bible? What about the scripture reading Brother Gary did for us this morning? What about the example we have in Exodus chapter one where we find God's people, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people living as slaves among heathens? They were living as slaves among the Egyptians. They were being oppressed by a bunch of people who worship false gods. In fact, if you paid attention to the language of Exodus chapter one very carefully, you should have noticed some very strong words being used to describe their lives as slaves. You should have noticed words like hard. And oppression and bitter and affliction and, and bondage being used. You should have noticed how for over 300 years, the people of Israel went through some very bitter days. They went through some very hard days. They went through some very afflicting days. They did not enjoy the great blessing of freedom that we enjoy today here in this country. 
our freedom is one of the greatest blessings we have in our lives. And as far as the privileges of that freedom go, let me just say that if we wanted to, and if we didn't have to get a lot of our kids to camp right after service this morning, we could probably spend several hours making a list of all these privileges, but due to time, can I just point out to you a few of those just to add to Brother Zach's list this morning? Can I point out to you this morning how with the blessing of our freedom comes the amazing and wonderful privilege of being able to choose our own path. We can choose our own path. You see, here in the great country of America, we can not only dream big, but we can work hard and pursue those dreams. We can work hard and achieve those dreams. We have the freedom in this country to be whatever we want to be. We can be doctors, we can be lawyers, we can be teachers, engineers, scientists, architects, our freedom allows us the privilege to be able to choose our own path. Our freedom also allows us the privilege and the ability to go anywhere we want at any time. You want to get on an airplane and go to Disney World? You want to go camping? You want to go to the lake and fish sometime this week? You want to go out and eat at a restaurant. You want to go to the movies. You want to go and torture yourself at Walmart today. I don't want to do that, but, but maybe you do. Maybe you like to torture yourself at Walmart. If so, guess what? You can do that. You can do that in America because you have freedom. Your freedom allows you to go anywhere you want at any time. And you know what else your freedom allows you to do? It allows you to vote. In this country, you actually have the freedom to have a say in the political process. You actually have the freedom to choose who your government officials are going to be. Let me tell you something. I've actually, believe it or not, I have spent time in countries where people did not have that privilege. Our freedom allows us the privilege to be able to choose who our leaders are going to be. And what about the greatest freedom we enjoy in this country? And that's the freedom of religion. That's the ability to come here into this place this morning and worship God in spirit and truth. And we don't have to worry about government officials coming up in this place and breaking up and trying to stop what we're doing. We don't have to worry about government officials coming in here and grab me out of this pulpit and putting handcuffs, up, handcuffs on me and locking me up in a jail cell just because I'm telling you about the salvation found in Jesus Christ. We don't have that problem. We don't have that problem here in America. We don't have to worry about people trying to mess up what we're trying to do this morning here in America. Let me tell you something. There are people in the world right now, Christians in the world right now, who would do anything to be able to have that privilege. There are Christians in Africa and China and other parts of Asia who today would do anything to be able to have that privilege. Our brethren in the first century, they would have done anything to be able to have that privilege. They would have probably been willing to part with both arms if they were able to live in a country where they had the protected 
right, the protected constitutional right to worship God freely on the first day of the week and to teach his word without the fear of persecution. They would have done anything to live in a, in a society like that, but they didn't. Instead, notice what they had to go through. I want you to go in your Bible to Acts chapter 14. and Acts, the 14th chapter, I want to show you what the Apostle Paul went through. One of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 19, when the Apostle Paul came to a place called Lystra, the Bible says in verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch in Iconium. And having won over the crowds, they stoned, notice, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. I want you to really let that verse soak in your heart for just a moment. You know, if we're not careful, and, I, and I'm talking to myself first on this, I am guilty of this. I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I'm guilty of it. And so I'm talking to myself first. If we're not careful as Christians, you know, we can find ourselves doing all the time in this country complaining. Complaining, 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 complaining about the economy. Complaining about gas prices, complaining about our government officials. So often, if we're not careful as Christians, we can find ourselves losing a proper perspective and complaining, complaining, and complaining. I've been guilty of that so many times, but let me ask you this. Have you ever gone through something like this? You ever gone through something like this? You ever had someone physically assault you just because you're a Christian? You ever have someone stone you and drag you out of Phoenix, Arizona, just because you want to tell the truth about Jesus? You ever gone through something like that? I haven't, and I'm pretty sure you haven't either, but the Apostle Paul did. Paul lived in a world like that. Now go to Acts 17. Look at what the Thessalonians went through. I'm going to Acts 17. And Paul went to preach in Thessalonica. He didn't even let a stoning stop him. God was with him. And so in Acts 17, he comes to Thessalonica, and after preaching there in verse 4, it says, Some of them were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked people from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar, and attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason some of the brethren before the civil city authorities saying, these men who have upset the world. Some of your translations say these men who have turned the world upside down. They have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them. And they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's, there's another king, Jesus. They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. When I read these verses and I think about my attitude at times, all I can do is feel ashamed. I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed because despite my griping and complaining from time to time, I don't know and you don't know what it is like to go through something like that. None of us know what it is like to be drugged from our homes and brought before government officials and beaten and threatened just because we're Christians. Christians in America don't have a clue, don't have a clue of what that kind of persecution is like. 
we don't have a clue of what those kind of trials are like. And the reason why we don't have a clue of what it's like to go through that is because we live in America. It's because we live in a free country. It's because we live in a land where we have the constitutional right, the protected right to become Christians and to worship God and even to promote his gospel. Our freedom provides us with so many wonderful privileges. But let me just say that another thing we need to understand about that is the privileges of our freedom. They came at a great cost, didn't they? Our freedom wasn't free. Many people throughout the last several decades have actually given their lives on the battlefield so we can have our freedom today. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the American Revolution or the Civil War or World War One or World War Two or the Korean War or Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan throughout the centuries. So many brave and heroic men and women have put their lives on the line in the name of freedom and liberty. In fact, several of those brave and heroic people are in this room right now. Right now, we are in a room with several people who have heroically and they have bravely served our country and they put their lives on the line so we can be free. And may God bless all those people. May God bless all of those brave men and women who have served our country. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for fighting for our freedom. And thank you to those who are currently fighting for our freedom. We need to be praying for those people every single day. Our freedom came at a great cost. But then a fourth thing we need to understand is because the cost was so great, then that means we got some great responsibilities. I think Jesus talks about that in a passage like Luke 12, 48, where Jesus is talking about he's talking about stewardship in this verse. And Jesus says in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. What is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus here is teaching the principle that with greater blessings in life should come a greater sense of of indebtedness. It should come a greater sense of obligation and responsibility with respect to our freedom as Christians. We shouldn't just have a greater sense of obligation and responsibility to obey and submit to the laws of our land. But we should also have a greater sense of obligation and responsibility when it comes to doing the things of God. When it comes to, to doing things like passionately Worshiping God. You see, while we do live in a country where we have the freedom to come together on Sunday and passionately worship God together, one question we might need to ask ourselves this morning is do we take advantage of that blessing? Do we take advantage of that freedom that God has given us here in America? Do we come to all the services on Sunday? Do we come to the nine o'clock service? Will we here this morning for the nine o'clock service? Do we attend the Bible study periods? Do we take advantage of every opportunity God has given us in this country to freely gather 
We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the freedom here to worship God anytime we desire. But do we take advantage of that freedom? Do we take advantage of that blessing? Do we take advantage of the blessing to be able to worship God freely on the first day of the week? And do we also take advantage of the blessing to be able to freely do evangelism? You know the passages, but we need to read them because they're they're coming from the Bible. You know Matthew 28. You know what Jesus said there in Matthew 28 in verse number 19. We read the powerful words of Jesus where Jesus says, Go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice how before going to heaven, before the Lord went to heaven, to be with his Father, to sit at the right hand of his Father, His final words were a mission. They were a mission statement. They were marching orders. Jesus says, I want you to do something. I want you to do something for me. I want you to go out and I want you to preach. I want you to teach. I want you to baptize people by the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to keep teaching them. I want you to ground the new converts in the truth. That's the work and the mission that Jesus has given us as his people, and praise the Lord, praise the Lord, that we live in a country where we can do that freely. Praise the Lord that we live in a country where we can freely tell people about Jesus. We can freely tell people about the salvation found in Jesus. We can freely invite people to come here and worship God with us. And we can freely set up Bible studies with them. And we can freely give them Bibles and and Bible study materials. And we can freely point them to our website so they can learn more about our work as a church. Our freedom. Our freedom as Americans. That's one of the greatest blessings. It is one of the greatest blessings we have in our lives. And I hope you understand that. I hope you thank God for that every single day. But now let's transition a little bit. And let's put some balance on this discussion. And let's talk about an even greater freedom that we enjoy. And that's the freedom that Brother Zach mentioned this morning. Freedom we have in Christ. Freedom we have as Christians. Freedom we have as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see why it is certainly a blessing to be able to enjoy all the wonderful freedoms that are attached with being an American. My friend, if you are a Christian this morning, if you are a disciple, if you are part of that bride of Christ that Brother Mitch talked about this morning, then you need to understand that you have experienced an even greater freedom. You have experienced an even greater liberty. You see, while being an American provides you with freedom from being under a cruel and oppressive government, being a Christian, being in Christ, being part of the bride of Christ, that provides you with freedom from the most oppressive slave master that is, there is. That provides you with freedom from a worse slave master than that of the Egyptians. 
It provides you with freedom from a worse slave master than those of the 18th and 19th centuries here in this country. It provides you even with the freedom from an even worse slave master than someone like Adolf Hitler, who enslaved and murdered millions of Jews. You see, while all of those slave masters were wicked and they were cruel, none of them, none of them come close to the slave master of sin. None of them come close to the slave master that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6. I want you to go in your Bible with me to Romans 6. Brother Zach read for us this morning verse 14. I'm going to pick up with verse 15 now. Look at me at verse 15. In verse 15, Paul says, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, your slaves are the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed and have been freed from sin. You became slaves of righteousness. Now drop down to verse 20. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. That is spiritual death. Verse 22. But now, having been freed, notice, have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life for the wages of sin is death, that is spiritual death, eternal separation from God, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice how in those verses, Paul talks about sin. He talks about something that a lot of people don't like talking about today, and that's that three-letter three word of sin. People don't like talking about sin today. And Paul talks about sin here, and notice how he describes sin in a very powerful way. Notice how in these verses, Paul describes sin as a master. He describes sin as a slave master. In fact, he really describes it as the most oppressive and cruel dominant and dominant slave master there is. He says that sin is a cruel an oppressive master. It is a cruel and oppressive master because it does so many terrible things to us when we are under its rule. Isaiah says it actually separates us from God. Stop and think about that for a second. Our desire, the reason we're here this morning, is because we want to be close to God, don't we? We want to be in a relationship with God. I don't think you would have gotten up this morning and drove here, some of you from long distances, to worship God, if you didn't want to be in a relationship with him, we all want to be close to God. We all want to be in fellowship with God. We all want to have a relationship with God, but sin, sin hinders us in that. Sin separates us from God. Sin actually serves as a barrier between us and God. And you know what else it does? It also makes us enemies of God. It also puts us in direct opposition to everything a holy God stands for, and it also spiritually kills us. It also makes it so that we are literally 
walking dead people. I mean, we may have some life in our mortal bodies. We may be physically alive today. We may have some good health and some good strength in our mortal bodies. But when we commit sin, Paul says we're spiritually dead. We're spiritually infected. We are completely void of the spiritual life that is necessary to have a relationship with God. That's what the Bible says sin does to me. And that's what it does to you. And that's a big deal. That is a really big deal. In fact, that is the biggest deal. But thankfully, according to what Paul told us back in Romans 6 and verse 20, when we came to Christ, when we put on Christ, when we were baptized into the body of Christ, we were set free from sin. We were set free from that cruel master. We were set free from the bondage of the cruelest and most oppressive master there is. Freedom in Christ sets us free from the worst slave master there is, and that's the master of sin. And and, and once we understand that, then maybe we need to point this out. And that is not only does our freedom in Christ set us free from the slave master of sin, but it also came to us at the result of a greater sacrifice. A greater sacrifice than even the brave and honorable men and women who gave their lives fighting for this country. A greater sacrifice than even what Moses did when he abandoned the riches of Egypt in order to suffer with and deliver the people of God. While Moses did sacrifice a lot in order to suffer and deliver the people of God, to suffer with and deliver the people of God, we need to understand the sacrifice for our spiritual freedom is an even greater sacrifice than what Moses did because it came to us. It came to us through Jesus. It came to us Through the Son of God, it came to us through God in the flesh. God in the flesh died on a cross. And so I want you to follow me to several passages, please. Galatians 5. Galatians 5 and verse 1. I want to show you several passages here that I hope will drive this point home. In Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul says it was for freedom. Paul talks about freedom, spiritual freedom here. Here. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery there in that context is talking about the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses. Paul says that because you've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't try to live by that Old Testament law of Moses. Don't live by that. You live by Jesus and the grace and law of Jesus. Now, you go to James. Look at James chapter 1. Speaking of law and the law of Jesus, James has something to say about that in James 1 and verse number 25. In James 1 and verse 25, James says, But one who looks intently at the perfect law. Law. So often people say, well, the new covenant is not a law. Well, that's not what James says. James says it is a law. He says it's the perfect law. And he says it's the law of liberty. 
He says, if you look intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abide by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Notice how the gospel here is called the perfect law. It is called the law of liberty. Why is it called the law of liberty? Well, because when we obey it, when we abide by it, we are liberated from our sins. We are liberated from the bondage of our sins. That's what James says the gospel does for me and for you. And then you put that with some verses found in Revelation. Do you remember these verses in Revelation 1? I'm going to Revelation 1. And John begins the book of Revelation by reminding us of our liberty in Christ. In Revelation 1 and verse 5, he says, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us, notice, released us, set us free from our sins by his blood. And he's made us to be a kingdom, priest to God, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you see what all those verses are saying to us? They're all saying the same thing. They're all talking about the greatest blessings we have in our lives. They're all talking about our ability to be in fellowship with God. They're talking about our freedom. They're talking about our spiritual freedom. They are telling us that our deliverance and spiritual freedom that we enjoy as Christians came as a result, not of our good works, but instead it came as a result of Jesus. It came as a result of the death of Jesus. It came as a result of Jesus having to endure everything that we read about in the Gospels. Our spiritual freedom came as a result of Jesus, Jesus leaving the glories of heaven to come to this garbage dump we call earth, a sinful world, and be mocked and ridiculed and rejected by his own people, the Jewish people, and spit on and beaten and eventually die the most humiliating death that could be derived from the human mind. And that is death on a cross. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus suffered for several hours on a cross. That was the price that was paid for our spiritual freedom. And brothers and sisters, let us never get to a point in our lives where we, where we forget that. Let us never get to a point in our lives where we fail to appreciate that. Let us never try to become so scholarly when it comes to understanding the Bible that we fail to be convicted and touched by the powerful message that it is promoting. And that is the fact that we're sinners. We're, we're all sinners and we all deserve to be lost in hell. But praise the Lord, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us on a cross and he was buried in a tomb and he was raised from the dead. And through that redemptive work, we can be set free from the bondage of sin. We can set, be set free from the most oppressive master we could ever have in our lives. Our freedom in Christ came as a result of the greatest sacrifice in the history of the world. And that's the sacrifice of God himself on a cross. 
In fact, because our, the cost of our freedom was so high. Now, let me just close by saying, and that means that being a Christian carries with it even greater responsibilities. Even greater responsibilities. You see, because the cost of our spiritual freedom was the blood of Jesus, then you know what that means? That means we got to do more than just show up to a couple of worship services during the week. We got to do more than just act right when we gather together on Sunday. We got to do more than even just read one chapter a day from a daily Bible reading schedule. You see, in addition to doing those kinds of things, if we're truly going to live lives in appreciation for the price that was paid for our spiritual freedom, then we got to live truly transformed lives. We got to truly live for Jesus, we got to live for him all the time, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. That is the very point that the Apostle Paul is making in the second half of the book of Ephesians. Can I ask you to go one more place to, with me in the Bible this morning? Will you go to Ephesians 4? I wanted to show you one verse, just one verse in Ephesians 4 and verse number 24. You know, the book of Ephesians, I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is really an easy book to structure, very easy book to organize. It can be divided right in half. First three chapters are all about what Jesus has done for us. The first three chapters are about what Jesus has done so that we can be liberated from our sins. The last three chapters are about how we should respond to that how we should practically live our lives in response to Jesus paying the price so that we can be liberated from our sins. And so in Ephesians 4 and verse 24, what does Paul say? Paul says in verse 24, he says, you put on the new self, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Notice how Paul in that verse talks about the new self. Do you see that? Here's my question. Who is the new self? Who, who is this new self that Paul talks about there in that verse? Well, the answer is obvious. The new self is the complete opposite of the old self. The new self is the new person in Jesus Christ. It is the person who's given up a life of sin once they came to Christ, and now they're trying to live every day for Christ. The new self is the person who has been born again, according to John 3 and verse 3. This is the person who's a new creature in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. This is the person who's been buried with Christ through baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6 and verse 4. This is the person who is doing everything Paul talks about after verse 24. This is the person who, according to verse 25, has laid aside falsehood. They don't lie. Christians don't lie. Christians don't bend the truth. They don't tell little, quote unquote, white lies. No, Christians tell the truth. They're honest people. They're people of integrity. They don't lie. Verse 26, they don't let their anger lead them to sin. Verse 28, they don't steal other people's property, but they work hard for the things they have. Verse 29, they don't let unwholesome words come out of their mouth. They don't curse. They don't use the Lord's name in vain. They don't write curse words on social media. Verse 31, they put off bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. We're going to talk more about that verse next Sunday. 
Verse 32, they're kind people, tenderhearted, forgiving. Chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, they treat their spouse right. They treat their wives like Christ treats the church. Wives respect and have reverence for their husbands. Chapter 6 and verse 1, if they are children who are Christians and they live under the authority of their parents, they obey their parents. They submit to their parents. Chapter 6 and verse 4, if they're fathers, they bring up their children, the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Verse number 5 of chapter 6, they are obedient and submissive to those who have authority over them. You see the point Paul is making there? You see it? It's not that hard to see. There Paul's whole point in the second half of Ephesians. It's because we have freedom in Christ. Because Jesus died for us, because he gave us his best when we were at our worst. Then there's a certain kind of life that is required of us. There are certain kinds of responsibilities that have been placed on our shoulders. No longer can we live for ourselves, but instead we got to live for him. We got to live for Jesus. We got to be all in for him. We got to become his slaves, slaves of righteousness. That's what Paul is saying. In fact, if you remember going back to Romans 6, wasn't that one of the main points he was making back in Romans 6? Remember back in Romans 6 and verse 16, Paul said in verse 16 that everybody in life, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're an atheist or an agnostic, everybody in life has a master. Everybody does. Everyone is a slave. Everyone has a spiritual master. Either your master is the oppressive and cruel master of sin that leads to nothing but destruction and spiritual death, or your master is the loving and merciful and sacrificial Jesus Christ who provides a true path to eternal life and real spiritual freedom. I don't care who you are. Everybody has a master. Everybody has a spiritual master in life. The question is, who is your master? Who is your master? Is your master Jesus is your master the son of God in your life? Have you chosen to submit to him and experience real spiritual freedom? If you've yet to do that, then you have an opportunity to do that this morning. This morning here in this place, you have an opportunity to submit to his gospel, to be immersed in the waters of baptism and raised to walk in newness of life and experience the best kind of freedom you could ever experience in your life. And that is freedom from sin and its consequences. And so if there's someone here this morning who needs to experience the freedom that only the Lord provides, we'll help you with that right here and right now. Come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing together. Sorry.